everyone. You've made it to season three of Old Dirty Benches. Are you here to listen to white collar criminals get roasted? Then you're at the right place. And here's JD to tell you all about what we do here. What's up, Dirty Benches? If you came here for laughs, shit talking, to hear about wiener schnitzel, or our menopause bellies, then you came to the right place. On ODB, we talk about white collar crime, which costs the country upwards of 300 to 600 billion every year. What, what? That's crazy. Tell me more. White collar crime is typically orchestrated by those in occupational positions with the opportunity to commit these crimes. These crimes include insider trading, fraud, tax evasion, bribery, price fixing, and of course, corruption. We will discuss real cases, related articles, podcasts, and documentaries, movies related to the crime. Occasionally, we may sprinkle a movie review in. Our theme song is performed by Good Co. You can find them on YouTube. And don't forget to like, subscribe, or leave us a review anywhere you stream your podcasts. Good morning, Patty. Good morning to you. It's been a while. It has. And yet it seems like I never left. <laughs> That's true, too. But you have a tan that okay. uh, looks very nice. Thank you. It's kind of giving you a little bronzy I, look. I uh, use sunscreen, though, and I wore a hat. Oh, very good. I'm proud of you. I did not you. get burned at all. Good for you. Which is uh, saying something because the sun is extremely strong there. Yeah. Uh, like, especially out here where we get... Well, we're getting into our rainy season, so mm-hmm. it's a lot of clouds and stuff, but... Yeah, it's not happy to be back in that. Oh, yeah. I know. When you left, I think it was like 80 degrees. It was degrees. so nice. I know. We were like, what is going on? And it was smoky. It was nice for a long time. It was like the apocalypse out here. <laughs> and then and you left. some days it still is. <laughs> yeah, I saw the the uh, air quality was super bad here. Ooh, it was really bad. So really bad. I didn't miss that. Yeah, I was like, rain, please come. But please. we were in uh, that Hurricane Julia. Oh yeah, and we were just like on the outskirts of. It, I was keeping was an eye crazy. on that. <laughs> I didn't want you guys to be like shipwrecked somewhere right? or something. It was yeah. pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. And then the day that. Um, Chris's son flew out, was super windy, and he had to go on one of those little planes, and he was like, fuck these planes. Because <laughs> they were like, you can feel everything. it is freaking scary yes. on a good day. Yeah. I've been on those before. You have to, like, give it to God and whatever. Hope you get yeah. there. It's all good. <laughs> but can I just say that flying sucks. Oh, gosh. And, dude, I swear I'm being profiled. I'm not even joking. Why do you say that? So, let me let me paint the picture for you. Oh, wait. Let me pause real quick. Um, this is our intro. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> old Dirty Benches, ready to go. Yep. Old Dirty Benches. I am JD. DP. I went to Penn State and oh, uh, this is new. studied how to be a librarian. <laughs> that is a thing, by the way. I collect dung beetles. Oh. If you were on House Hunters, your budget would be like $3 million. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, they have random. <laughs> I collect dumb beetles. Um, I haven't watched I sell box tops. Our budget is $3 million. <laughs> like, what? Box 
stuff. <laughs> Some random stuff. And I also have a wiener schnitzel uh, addiction. Mm. There you have it. Same. Um, we talk about white collar crime, sometimes movie reviews, and then uh, and we tangent. Yes, a and lot. This is one of those tangents. Yes. So, Patty, um, I okay. mean, do you have an intro, or would you like to just That's, jump right in? I'm Patty Popcorn, comic relief extraordinaire. <laughs> And kernels of wisdom. All right. Let me set the stage for you. So yes, I'm please. coming back from Belize. Okay. And I check us in to our flight. And it says, can't give you your boarding pass, which is always a red flag. So I'm like, great. What's up with that? So we get to the, we take the little puddle jumper over and it's fine, uneventful. We get to the mainland terminal and I'm like, hey, you need to print out our boarding passes because it wouldn't let me do it. So the girl, we're going from Belize to Los Angeles and then Los oh, okay. Angeles to Seattle. Okay. So the girl's like, huh, that's weird. Okay. So she prints it out. Well, it only prints me uh, Belize to Los Angeles. <laughs> she's like, oh, are you only going to Los Angeles? I'm like, no, I'm going to Seattle. So she's like, huh, that's weird. And I'm like, okay, I'm not getting a good vibe right now. <laughs> And here's the other thing that really pisses me off. This is a tangent upon a tangent. Okay. But when we go on trips, I plan everything. Yes. I organize everything. Okay. I do it all, basically. And Chris just comes along, happy-go-lucky. And who always gets fucked over? Me. And who never does? Him. So here we go. So his morning pass is fine. He's got both of his flights. It's all good. Me, I only have one. So then she had to print out my L.A. to Seattle separately. And she's like, yeah, that's weird. So we go go through security, go okay. through the gate. Mm-hmm. There, uh, and then we're just waiting around. Now it's time to board. So we line up like phew, the cattle that we are. And in Belize, you have to like walk out and walk upstairs to get in the plane. It's, you know, very like 1970s. Okay. Yes. Yes. So we're just about to go out to walk up the stairs. And they look at mine and they go, oh, you got selected for more screening. Go over there. Oh. So take all your shit and go over there. And I'm like, what? Well, luckily, Chris <laughs> took my bag, my suitcase, and I just had my backpack. And I go over there, and they're like, take everything out of your backpack. Take your laptop out of the case, like the whole nine. Take everything out of your purse. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Oh, wow. They're randomly picking people and making them. Another lady, she had to open her suitcase, and they went through her suitcase. Okay. Uh, they're like, uh, sit down and take off your shoes. But I had my little slip-on shoes, so I just kicked them off. Yeah, I I'm like, them here off. you go. <laughs> and then... Uh, they swabbed my, like, my hands, my pockets. My, they wanted me to take my phone out of the case. Oh, really? I'm like, what the fuck? Like, in other words, I could never be a mule of any kind. That's <laughs> I what I'm saying. Because I always get picked <laughs> for extra screening. Out. I always do. Oh, wow. So then they're like, okay, you're fine. So I put all my stuff together and I go in, sit down, it's fine, whatever. Uh, we get to L.A., was your spouse already sitting down oh, in the airport? Oh, of airplane? course. Like all comfortable Happily and stuff. sitting in a seat, enjoying his <laughs> time. He's already got like his, his like, earbuds fuck. in and stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, of course, you know. 
<laughs> so then uh, we get to LA and we get we get off and we go through customs fine, but because uh, we're going back, we have to go through security again, mm-hmm. which is so stupid. Why do they do that for connecting? But they do. So then I look at my boarding pass. I'm pre-check. It doesn't say pre-check. So now I have to go to the thing and say, hey, print me out pre-check. I paid for it. I want my pre-check. Yeah. I don't want to stand in the giant line. I want to stand in the smaller line. Do they give it to you? Well, so then the lady goes, huh, that's weird. So she's like, she can't figure out why it's not showing up. She goes, I guess you got to call them. Um, no, I'm not going to call them. <laughs> I've had it for 10 years. I want my pre-check. And then it actually printed out, so it was fine. So then, now we're getting ready to get on our plane from L.A. to Seattle. Full flight, of course. So we get on the plane, which is a huge cattle call of, you know, whatever. Everybody. I'm walking down the aisle. I look over. Someone's in my seat. Mm. I look at Chris and I go, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) And he's just like, is anyone in Chris's seat, though? No. (laughs) Nope. <laughs> Practically warmed up and ready. And I go, uh, you're in my seat. And the guy goes, oh, well, that's because this lady was in my seat. And then she was like, oh, well, they switched us because my daughter was in a different seat. Okay, well, why don't you tell people when you're switching them? And P.S., why aren't you saying, the guy that's in my seat, you're in my seat? Because mm-hmm. now he's like several rows up. And now, like, there's a giant line of people. He can't swim upstream to his seat. There's mm-hmm. nowhere for me to go. Yeah, because you're waiting for... And on and on and on. And here we are. So, the end. But I'm just saying. Oh. What the... F- I think I'm targeted because <laughs> I have a weird name. I'm not even joking. <laughs> I think they see my name and they're like, oh, security. Security. <laughs> Extra security. I think if my name was like... Patty Pop Patty Smith. <laughs> I'd probably be fine. <laughs> Patty pizza, pasta. I'm like, am I flagged or something? Is it because of this podcast? Parmesan. <laughs> Just tell me. <laughs> exactly. Podcast, so, Pepsi. Let's just say that flying sucks. All I have to say. It's a necessary evil. Yeah, it is. Because I definitely don't like driving to the location. I'd no. rather fly to get it over well, with. Well, first but- of all, you can't drive. I mean, it would take so long yeah. to drive to Belize. Well, I, I'm just talking about in general. I don't want to <laughs> drive all the way down there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are missing out, lady. Oh, my God. I'm telling you... Um, a thing that I do now is I buy, like, a treat for the flight attendants and I give it to Ooh, them. Ooh, that's a good idea. So. Because they put up with a yeah, lot of totally, crap. Yeah, totally. And they are so thankful. Like, I bought. Uh, um, that was nice of you. I bought them C's chocolates. Okay. From L.A. to oh, Seattle. Okay. And they were very thankful. And I usually, flying out of Seattle, I buy them Seattle chocolates. Yeah, and then give it to them. And, like, and I get them, them when I come on and they're always like, oh. <gasps> Thank you so yeah. much. And they're like, where are you uh, sitting? And I go, in steerage. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> See you back there. <laughs> and you know what? That gets me nothing. It gets me someone sitting uh, in my seat and extra screening. But I rise above. And your spouse being completely oblivious. Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, oh, oh, oh man. God. Dude, one time, another real quick, because we whatever uh <laughs> we were going to hawaii <laughs> yeah. and i used points okay to get our ticket 
or at least one of the tickets. And of course, that means coach. Mm-hmm. And you know me, mm-hmm. I don't like coach, mm-hmm. okay? I'm fully admit it. I don't like coach. <laughs> don't lay your fucking seat on me. I don't like it. So we fly there, and literally, it's just, it was horrible. There was kids crying. Not that there isn't kids crying in first class, but you can lay down, and it makes it a little better. But anyway, um, plus you get your bags first. You get on and off first. I just like it better. I don't care what it costs. Anyways. (laughs) So I had already bought tickets back, you know, when I bought our ticket over. Mm -hmm. And I said, I don't care. I'm upgrading us. I don't. I'm not sitting in coach again. Forget it. Mm-hmm. And Chris is, of course, like, okay, what's he going to say? No. Yeah. I want to sit in steerage. No, because he's smart. Anyways, so I call and I order, you know, I upgrade. Well, I can't upgrade my ticket because I bought it with points. Oh. Okay. Then I want a one more really? ticket. I want a one more. I'll buy a new ticket altogether. I don't care. Holy Back. crap. So I do. And I'm like, Yay. So now, fast forward to the day of check-in. I go to check-in. I can't check in. <sighs> and I'm like, "What the? F- what's going on? Did they confuse the them. two? They canceled my first class <gasps> because I already had a ticket with points. Oh, no. And I'm like, are you fucking ki-? So guess who got the first class? Chris. <laughs> and guess who had to sit in steerage? Me. <laughs> so he went, you sat up. In first class, and then, oh, no, you didn't, sir. Yeah, he did. Now you have to do the walk of shame. You need to come out here, and you're going to stand in the driveway, (laughs) and we are going to shame you publicly. (laughs) He was like, oh, no. He goes, you sit in my seat. I can't. I'm not allowed. It's in your (laughs) name. oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, he was like, you can just tell. How you going to pay for this? The rest of my time. <laughs> and I think that might have been the first time he sat in first class and he was like, oh, my God, it was so great. But he, you know, he didn't want to say it because I was f- a boiling cauldron of rage oh, no. at this point. Oh, so, no. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Anyways. I mean, but you did have a good trip, like, overall. Yeah, for so. sure. It was fine. I don't want to paint a picture of negativity for our listeners here. Okay. <laughs> I know, and it's like we're all first living world problems. Exactly. Uh, I was just gonna say we're all living vicariously security. through uh, you, Patty. Shut I'm the front shut door. Up. But anyways, okay. I'm just saying, why me, God? I'm a good person. Why do I always get freaking extra screen? It does seem though, like uh, I feel like people who <laughs> this is gonna sound like funny, but. <laughs> People who do put in a lot of the work or, like, try to do good things. uh, It seems like we always, you know, we're at the back of the line or. Yeah. yeah. What's up with that? I don't know. Anyways. Anyways. Okay. I won't keep me from being a good person and bringing treats and (laughs) spreading my joy, (laughs) shining my light (laughs) in this weary world. Oh, my gosh. I just um, wanted to share that great thank story. You. And That's almost every time also, if I go through like a magnetometer or one of those uh, radiation things, radiation. <laughs> they almost always pick me for random screening. Oh. And Chris is like, it's because you have big boobs, I'm telling you. <laughs> and I'm like, 
They can't yeah, see me boobs. when I put in my ticket, oh you know. Oh, my God. They don't see what I look Dude, like. that is funny. Anyways. I never even thought about it like that, but he may be onto something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Free the nipple. <laughs> okay, so this is going to be a white-collar crime episode. Uh, we do need to do a little bit of housecrafting before we get to the episode. Housekeeping? Yeah, but I'm calling it house crafting because everybody else calls it housekeeping, and I wanted to set the bar. Yep, exactly. You be you, girl. Um, Go (laughs) craft away, friend. (laughs) (laughs) So the first thing that I wanted us to go over was uh, South Dakota had sent us an email while you were away. Okay. And he has gone back and listened to pretty much all of our episodes. But he still said that he was a little bit unclear on the rating system for our movies. And he was, like, uh, asking about The Mummy. He was, like, I'm assuming. Clearly, he has not seen The Mummy. Well, he would not be asking. And he did say that. <laughs> he was, I like, I want to be clear. I have not seen the new one with okay. Tom Cruise. Yes. Um, why do I think it's horrible? Yeah, he because would like is. an explanation. All right. Here's why. Okay. This movie sucks, okay? It doesn't know what it wants to be. Like, Can you clarify which one, please? The Tom Cruise Mummy. Okay, yes. Okay. Where I don't even know the plot. That's how <laughs> great it is. It fished you in with this the plane crash at, in the preview. That's why I even wanted to see it. So I was like, oh, that looks pretty good. And guess what? No. That's the best part of the whole movie. Was the plane crash. Yes. Okay. And then it kind of like... It seems like it wants to be like a horror movie, like of the Frankenstein sort of genre. Okay, but then it doesn't. It doesn't um, go that way, and it just—it's a mess. It sucked. It was horrible. And there's a part in the movie, and Chris always brings this up, that like the best part in the movie was something I said. It wasn't even in the movie. <laughs> But there's a part where Tom Cruise goes, but he's like, I don't want to hurt you or something like that. And then I go to Chris, what about us, Tom Cruise? What about us? And he's like, oh, my God, because it's so stupid. It's just it's a horrible movie. Yeah. I do not at all uh, recommend you see it. Well, during Halloween, I did watch the original uh, mummy franchise with, with Brendan Fraser. Yeah, I love those. Which are really good. Very. Good. I have not rewatched the one with Tom Cruise, like yeah, the remake, the, the reboot it's that they fucking did. Fucking sucks. And the only thing similar is it's called The Mummy. That's it. Yeah. Now I. Why is it Mummy Returns? No, it's just the it's mummy, the Mummy. Right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Stupid. I haven't seen it in a while. No, that's was... why. To me, it was horrible. I was uh, excited about it because they were going to do a tie-in with uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. That's what I'm saying. And like, it tried to be, like, yeah. a monster, but then it didn't really go that way. Yeah. Like, it kind of was like, nah, I'm, on second thought, forget that part. And so, anyway, it's like, what? And I would say, I don't hate it as much as you, as much as you, Patty, but... I would also agree with you that it's probably not the greatest. And then within the scheme of the franchise itself for The Mummy, it is not very high. No. So And plus, I hate Tom Cruise, okay? <laughs> so I guess I put all my hate in this movie. <laughs> so yeah. to me, it's just a, a horrible movie. That's all. So whenever we give a movie the rating of The Mummy, 
That Which we don't, really. No, we often. don't award it too often to movies. No. But there have oh, been a couple. Annette. Yeah. Annette. <laughs> Annette got the mummy. Although I will say. so, I might add. <laughs> I will say, though, that there's going to be a fan base for that movie. However, we did not grade it very high. <laughs> and that fan base ain't me. <laughs> it's a rating system. <laughs> <laughs> Given uh, licorice pizza a mummy, too, didn't I? I think maybe you did. Yeah, you did, I think. Yeah. I'd have to no go back blocks. and listen, but. Again, um, Joan yes. Q. Public did not care for that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so hopefully that explains our rating yes. system for and you. And I mean, I, I don't know. You just agreed that we call it a mummy, but yeah. we didn't have like a scientific reason. No, there's, yeah, there's no like. <laughs> we were like, how should we do this? And so we're trying to be kind of creative. Yeah. With like the house crafting. House crafting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've just kind of made up our own little thing <laughs> for housekeeping. <laughs> the other thing that I wanted to bring up was just had released our episode on Elizabeth Holmes. Yeah. So originally her sentencing uh, or her lawyers, anyways, had asked for a new trial, number right. one, because somebody had showed up. One of the prosecution's witnesses had showed up to her house. And then uh, as so a result. they felt bad. Yes, they had felt bad. Um, but they ended up testifying in the new hearing that they still <laughs> right. felt. See, and I, as, even though I feel bad, you need to go to jail. You need to be held accountable. As a result, too, they had delayed her sentencing due to the additional circumstances that were going on. The judge came back and released their decision because after the hearing, they had said it might be a week before they come back with their decision. They had. they were like, psych. They had denied her request for a new trial. Oh. Mm -hmm. So she will still be sentenced on November 18th. What I found interesting is Sonny, who was her boyfriend slash partner in the business. I guess he was the criminal mastermind from what I hear. Yes. Uh, (laughs) He got quite a bit of time. Well, he he was found guilty, and then his sentencing is set for November 15th. I thought he was already sentenced. No, No. not yet. Okay. Um, He was first, then her. Yes. And then... His team was also trying to piggyback on her defense's uh, motion for a new trial based off of the information that was being shared. However, the judge on his came back immediately and denied the motion. Okay. So I found that sort of uh, decision interesting because, and we had talked a little bit about this during her episode, but the whole gender and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Now, there are rumors that she might be pregnant again. She's not confirmed that. So You know, she's um, been trying. Come on. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see how the sentencing goes. I am interested to see how her sentencing is and then how Sunny's sentence. Yeah, to kind of compare a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I did want to bring that up as part of housecrafting. Follow-up. Yep, our follow-up for that. Okay. So. <laughs> Ready? Okay. We are going to be talking about a white-collar crime for this episode. and Another piece of shit. It's going <laughs> to be a continuation on the body parts trade. Because we can't get enough of these body parts. Yeah. Uh, if you're a regular listener, then you may have heard some like of our- Julie. Some of our other episodes regarding this industry, it's... And how you need to take the power back. Yes, we've talked about this. Sell your body preemptively. Um, 
to the highest bidder. Because, yeah, because OnlyFans won't take it. <laughs> fans, fans only. only. Fans only. <laughs> We've retitled it. Um. <laughs> That's the old person, person <laughs> wait, version. <laughs> wait a minute. The fans only. So, like, if we were going to do that, what are we saying? That, like, we would put our dead body our cadaver up there for you would just take like a million different shots of your feet before you die (laughs) 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 to make some money for your family sure oh my gosh okay so (laughs) uh as we talked about in previous episodes this industry is not pretty and it's also not heavily regulated like it should be big problem yes walter mitchell He had actually spent nearly 30 years as a body broker. Uh, The interesting thing about him is we've actually mentioned him in a previous episode, actually two episodes. So in one case, um, and we'll mention it again in this episode, but he had uh, called the federal government's attention to another body broker (laughs) saying that he didn't feel comfortable about what they were doing. Which I found interesting now that he has been... Whistleblower. Yes. Kind of like a whistleblower. He's like, that's not fair (laughs) that they're doing this. (laughs) But then he also uh, helped another body broker down in Arizona for a short period Uh of time. That ditched the bodies in the desert? Well... He was like, I'm done. Walter is the guy who ditched the bodies down there in Arizona. But he was working with um, BRC for a little bit of time. So his name is also mentioned in that case They're file. They're creepy connected. It's just interesting. I, I, you know. So he had started his body donation businesses in Oregon, Washington, California, and Arizona. So he kind of moved West around. Coast. Yeah. Uh, I found an article. Oh, the West Coast body. <laughs> <laughs> I found an article. Fred Flintstone feet. <laughs> Fred Flintstone. That's a That's throwback me. to a previous That's episode. My. my feet would be pristine and beautiful. <laughs> and fetch a hot, a handsome amount <laughs> on fans only. On fans only. So I found an article on the internet dated from 2003, which I was really surprised because at first I like seen it. Did I started we have reading it. That was still dial up. I right? know. I was like shocked to see this. And um, when I was reading it, I was like, wait, what is the date on this? And then it's, <laughs> it showed 2003. I was like, holy crap. You know, it surprised me. But um, so there were some doctors and other entity, entities that were raising the flag about the body part industry at that time. And still nothing. And still nothing. Oversight of tissue banks, body part, or people who operated in the body part industry had become uh, an important discussion among local organ body and tissue procurement agencies, partly because of a series of scandals that had started to like be exposed during that time nationwide. So unethical profiteering for body parts, which we've talked about. Um, So remember that body parts include tissue banks uh, that are organizations recovering all sorts of things like corneas, skin, bones, and other tissues from cadavers for human transplant. And local agencies at the time had feared that these scandals could cause the actual like legit donations to plummet 
and many already facing shortages of donors because not everybody wants to donate their body right now for this I mean, purpose. Even so, like with just regular organ donations, there's like not a stigma, but people I've heard people say there's like a conspiracy theory that if you're an organ donor, they won't save you at an accident or something, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so. Already not everybody wants to do that. Yeah. And we know how bad the conspiracy theories have gotten out there. Right, folks? They've gotten really bad. We're not going down that path. So federal laws actually prohibit uh, buying or selling organs for transplant, but organs, tissue, and bones may be sold for research or educational purposes. So you can't come right out and say, I'm going to buy your body parts or your entire body and sell them. You have to get them donated, and I I use air quotes, donated. um, And then farm them out. And then basically farm them out, yeah. So uh, for research or uh, educational purposes, like, so basically you're working with the university. If you weren't doing it for research, why else? Transplants. I don't know. I guess if you were to allow people just to buy cadavers. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows what they would be doing with them? It would be a topsy-turvy world. (laughs) (laughs) Free body. I'm just throwing that out there. (laughs) I think think it might get a little bit crazy. I think it already is. Yeah. These freaking ghouls, I say again. (laughs) So I had read that uh, BioGift had been uh, listed on Tigard, and I hope I'm saying that city's name right. Tigards, Tigards, okay. Oregon. Yes, yes. Uh, city website as a new business. <laughs> Tigard, Tigard, <laughs> Tigger. From, from Winnie the, the Pooh. <laughs> from Winnie the Pooh. So I had seen that that they had been listed as a new business in December of 2002. So he had started a bio gift down there, Walter Mitchell, in Oregon. Uh, Mitchell was listed on documents as the only employee of BioGift. BioGift had done direct marketing to elder care communities where donors were offered no-cost cremation in exchange for donating. Yep. One BioGift marketing brochure said, and I quote, BioGift anatomical is dependent upon the kind and generous gift of whole body donation to support medical research and education while at the same time beholding the view that the donation is a lasting memorial of the deceased, end quote. I really feel like they missed the marketing uh, of not saying the gift that keeps on giving. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, that's so morbid. I I mean, that did pop into my head, but I wasn't going to say it out loud. That's why I'm here. (laughs) I do say it. What's interesting, right, is... Um, that was like his little legal disclaimer. Yeah, so he's kind of preying on the elder community. For sure, and like the free thing. Yeah, the other part, and we've talked about this on previous episodes about the body part industry, is where they have um, offered free cremation. Right, mis- because misled. With inflation and stuff, and especially in the elder community, you're probably not making a lot of money. You you might be living on Social Security or other social. How much longer? Um, Probably not much longer. Programs. (laughs) Uh, So you know, like that would look appealing to you if you're cremating me, 
And all I have to do is maybe donate, I don't know, like an organ or something, or you're thinking some tissue. tissue, And then the rest of me is going to be cremated for free. I might be more inclined to be like, yes, I'll do this. Right. So predatory. Yes. And I'm not necessarily saying that he started out to do bad. I am. (laughs) We definitely definitely went that route. It doesn't sound good. Yes. No. Well, it doesn't look good for him when you find out that he's kind of been implicated in each of these cases. Right. They all are like gross, a gross little club. Uh, BioGift had accepted its first body donation in March 5th of 2003. According to documents obtained through public records requests at the Oregon Mortuary and Cemetery Board, they have a board. Yes. The corpse was transported to BioGift where the shoulders, knees, and spine were recovered from the cadaver by BioGift. Here we go again. Did this person work at Mastro's Steakhouse? (laughs) (laughs) Negative. No, not as far as I could tell. What I did read was uh, the OHSU uses, and this is a university out there, uses 150 to 200 cadavers a year for education and research. Uh, That makes sense. Yes. The use of which are guided by strict ethical rules. OHSU accepts uh, a $1,250 procurement charge per cadaver and profiteering is prohibited. However, if a body and its parts are sold on the open market... <laughs> if one just falls off a truck, here's then... a <laughs> <laughs> uh, They can be worth in excess of $300,000, according to an Orange County Register series. For yep. parts. So yes. If you part them out. This was as of April 2000. What? Okay. That is... I think we found our new business, I say again. We're not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> All we need is a refrigerated truck. Oh, my God. No. Sorry, dude. I And a knife set. I check on the knife set. I am not about to go into my kitchen. Or like a sawzall. I mean, I'm already trying to figure out how I'm going to cut the back of my turkey's spine out so I can try this new process of splaying it out so it cooks faster. What? Yeah, I'm not going to now turn around and try to do some person's human body. Like, that's, no, that's not happening. The whole thing is just so ghoulish. Crazy money, though. Oh, 300,000? You're just ripe for ne'er do wells. (laughs) Remember that word? Yes. Yes. From the good old days of Greece. R.I.P. Olivia. <laughs> yeah. R.I.P. <laughs> Rest in putane. Putane. Okay. So although BioGift is not licensed by the Oregon Mortuary and Cemetery Board at that time, and I quote, there are certain rules and regulations that pertain to the final disposition of human remains, and the board does have jurisdiction to regulate certain aspects of that. That was according to the executive director at the time. Okay. Okay. So shipping human remains across state lines, filing a death certificate, and cremation are among the steps involved with final disposition of human remains regulated regulated by the board. Mitchell has previously said in a public meeting that where people of the board attended that he might ship body parts out of state. This was in the early 2000s. Uh-huh. Okay. So uh, they were... I mean, he's not licensed through them, so they're not, they don't have any sort of oversight, uh-huh. right? 
But he's already saying, I'm shipping these body parts out of state. Somebody somewhere <laughs> should have been like, oh, wait, wait a minute. So was he paying people off or what? I don't know. I mean, anything that I could find on him never said anything like that. Um, the but university. It seems like something. Uh, and I think, I mean, I guess because it's all state to state. It is. And That's we've seen just not good. We've seen where some states don't regulate it at all. Right. Crazy to me. Mm-hmm. I know. I say it every time we have these body trade ones, but for real. I know. When one of these cases comes up, they bubble up, right? Because the federal government has to come right. in and investigate it for whatever reason. You know, we saw where Rathburn, what happened in his case, mm-hmm. or BRC now, or Michael, you know, with his tissue bank stuff. Um, it My gets so, yeah, it gets so bad that they finally come in and do an investigation, and then people are like, "Oh my god, we've got to do better to regulate and this." Then they know. And then everything fizzles out. Mm-hmm. So, so going back because to we're like, "Look over there, what squirrel, what <laughs> squirrel what? attention?" Exactly. <laughs> in our Arthur Rathburn episode, and if you haven't listened to that, please go back and listen to that episode. That was like the first That's time we had talked about body parts. A head exploder. Yeah, we had talked about. His brokering, that's where Walter had actually voiced concern. Right. He was like dropping a dime on Arthur. Yes. Heads in a bucket and whatnot. Yep. So, of course, he was the owner of BioGift in Oregon. He said he had stopped supplying body parts to Rathburn after a 2006 incident. And a week after shipping two human torsos to Rathburn in Detroit, Mitchell got a call from the airline that transported them. This is where no one had picked it up at the airport right, and then gross. stuff started leaking out of the packages. And so the airport staff was complaining <laughs> yeah. about the smell. And then uh, imagine that is so disgusting. That would be crazy. So Rathburn eventually does pick up the torsos, but after that, Walter Mitchell apparently says, I'm not going to do business with you anymore. Right. I have standards. <laughs> you don't meet them. <laughs> So the State Department of Health and Human Services had issued a report which voiced concerns regarding the lax oversight of certain kinds of tissue banks on the state and federal levels. At the state level, only New York and Florida operated programs mandating that tissue banks be licensed and inspected. The FDA requires that tissue banks screen donors for infectious diseases, but the Health and Human Services report noted that the FDA regulations are limited. About 23% of tissue banks were never inspected, and among those that were inspected, more than half uncovered serious deficiencies. FDA oversight of tissue banks is also an unfunded mandate. So nobody's doing it. Right. So we have stuff that say, on paper, this should happen. But it's really not happening. Right. And what in, is interesting to me, too, about, and this is goes for a lot of the different federal agencies, and I'm not saying by any means that we don't need them. They are there for a purpose. But some of these groups, FDA or other government entities have oversight over them, are simply told to self-regulate. So there's not really true Again, regulation going on. What could on. go wrong? Yeah. So it's called the honor system. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I could see where this is happening. And we've talked about in previous episodes with this where um, people had like uh, sexually transmitted diseases right. or other ailments that were serious. That they didn't tell when they gave the body parts. Yes. 
and they were maybe using somebody else's blood or something to show that it was clean and nothing was wrong, etc. So, so to me, at the minimum, they w- should have to be accredited by that mortuary, blah blah blah, whatever. I feel like at the minimum. Yeah. And then somebody should be going in there to at least inspect, inspect them once a year. Of course. But uh, a lot of times that's not happening. Get government out of my business. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if Peepaw isn't in the bag they gave me. Oh, my God. You would care when you found out that Peepaw yes. wasn't in the bag. I'm just saying, like, and that you is got, so ridiculous and gross. Like some kitty litter, <laughs> maybe some Lucky Charms. You just got some dust. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Lucky charms. If there was popcorn in mine, you can guarantee it was me. <laughs> like it didn't incinerate properly exactly. with the rest oh, of your body. Some kernels. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know me. I don't let any popcorn get by me. I'm willing to dig into my movie chair. To make At sure the theater. I leave a kernel. Exactly. No kernel left behind. Yep. <laughs> Even if it didn't fall out of my bag, I might eat it. Oh, Lord. Okay. Which my sister said, you need to get, you guys need to put a trigger warning up some episodes. <laughs> From our admissions? Yes. Our uh, admissions about some of the stuff that we do. Okay. Love so- us or leave us. <laughs> Never deceive us. <laughs> The president of the Oregon Health and Science University, which was the OHSU that I mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. at the time was Dr. Kohler. And he had personally raised concerns about BioGift, the agency, of course, that was ran by Walter Mitchell, which had started soliciting whole body donations. Um, Yeah, gifts which is hence the name BioGifts. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the time, he was already sounding the alarm, and this was in the early 2000s, because he and felt like it wasn't being handled correctly. So let's dig back to his past a little bit. So back in the 90s, he ran into a little bit of trouble before he even started the body parts industry stuff. He told uh, law enforcement during his first arrest, which was in 1993, that he had suffered from severe emotional problems that caused him to act impulsively and self-destructively. Here's what Always he did. good. He had stolen about $10,000 from a McDonald's where he had been hired using a falsified job application and fled to Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, you know... Here's what I will caveat this with. Mental health is a huge issue and it can cause people to act impulsively. And I'm not saying that he doesn't have any of those issues. So he took a train and fled across the border. A few days later, he tried to sneak back into the United States, but he fell ill. He said, <laughs> and the Border Patrol arrested him with more than $6,000 in cash. So he still had like six thousand dollars of the ten thousand that, that he, he stole, stole from McDonald's. From McDee's. Okay. <laughs> he blamed his behavior on despair over his family situation. At thirty-two, he was divorced due to his mood swings. Had a six-year-old son from his first marriage and a three-year-old son from a second relationship, and had cycled through at least forty jobs at this point. Wow. 
And the week so before, he's like, I'm gonna start a business. Well, in the week before the crime, Mitchell had fought with his ex-wife over his desire to move to Prescott to go back to school and spend more time with his son. Uh, his ex-wife at the time and her husband didn't want him living so close. Yeah, I bet. It just seemed like my whole world came crashing down on me. He wrote in a letter to the judge. Mitchell's depression had a tendency to Should lead. Should I break out the sad violin? <laughs> no, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> Mitchell's depression had a tendency to lead to self-destructive behavior when things got tough, Mitchell told law enforcement. Committing the crime was a relief, he said, because it sent him into a panic mode immediately, which felt better than the depression. As proof of his emotional challenges, Mitchell submitted to the court a paper his mother, Barbara Mitchell, had written when he was a teenager. She said he had trouble concentrating, struggled with self-control, and felt constant anxiety along with a strong urge to release it any way he can. Mitchell expressed remorse for the theft in a letter to the court and requested to attend therapy. The McDonald's manager asked the judge to sentence Mitchell to community service and counseling and set a jail time because he was a real decent person. Mitchell agreed to a plea bargain that dropped his charges to a less serious burglary felony and required him to complete counseling, pay nearly 4000 in restitution and fees, and serve two years of unsupervised probation. He also had to inform employers of the conviction, among other stipulations. <laughs> so I, you know, I feel like, okay, he, he stole this money from McDonald's, he gets caught, and then he has to go to court. I'm okay sorry. with all of this stuff. Yeah. I'm okay with all this. This is fine. Is there a butt? I feel like the butt's coming. Then Mitchell decides to cultivate an interest in medicine and the human body around this time, right? So he took courses from staffers at the Maricopa County Medical Examiner's Office. So he did actually take some courses in, in the whole body, like cadavers, etc. Okay. So the fascination stuck for him. By the time he was 39, Mitchell had helped to, to found one of Arizona's first body donation companies, Science Care. Science Care is actually still active and running today. Is it legit? As far as what I could tell when I went out there to go Google this, and you can believe everything that's on the internet. but <laughs> No lies there. <laughs> the company's uh, current CEO was unable to confirm recently that Mitchell had been involved with the startup of the company. But uh, you can actually find Reuters did an article as part of their body parts industry coverage that they've been doing. There's an article in there on science care and some of like maybe their potentially unethical business practices. But they weren't able to confirm whether or not he did help start it, even though Walter Mitchell has said, no, I did actually help. They don't have the greatest reputation, but they are still in business. So that was like his training wheels? I don't know. Could be. Body trade training wheels, job. Could be. Very random. I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was. This makes me not want to eat at McDonald's. I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was pertinent <laughs> to bring that up. Because they don't have any information, and maybe they don't want to be associated to him because they're trying I to keep. I wonder why. Of their... course not. You'd be like, I don't know. I never heard of that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Prove it. <laughs> Who's Walter Mitchell? Walter Mitty? <laughs> exactly. I don't know. The Secret Life. <laughs> Are we talking about the movie character? Uh, 
Never heard of them. The body donation businesses, instead of providing organs for transplants and living people, make agreements with those preparing for death to sell parts of their corpses to uh, things like pharmaceutical firms, medical device companies. So like uh, maybe tissue for implants and stuff. Uh, medical schools or university and other entities. I know in the past, in some of our episodes, we've talked about medical conferences where doctors and stuff mm. will go for training. Right. They will need cadavers in order to do some of their training in those things. And uh, also for research and development, right? DOD, do you remember that part? Unfortunately, I do. Okay. <laughs> In exchange for the donation, the unused remains typically are cremated and returned to the family at no cost. And we talked about this a little bit at the beginning of the episode. That's the hook. Yes. Mitchell had links to at least 10 tissue procurement companies in Arizona, California, Illinois, Oregon, and Washington from 2000 to 2020. So his name is basically all over in this industry, at least on the West Coast. And then Illinois. And Illinois. He branched out. I think that was because of his association to Arthur Rathburn. Because uh-huh. Arthur operated in Chicago as well. So it was a hub, so to speak. <laughs> know, At least one of them ran into legal trouble, which is Biological Resource Center, or BRC, right? They were raided by the FBI and shut down in 2015 for failing to track some of their specimens, screen for diseases such as HIV, and store body parts improperly. So they were like literally stacking them on top right, of each other. Mm-hmm. Cooler. Yep, that case had gained notoriety for the cooler full of uh, man's genitalia, <laughs> um, those kinds of things. Didn't they have them like they were doing gross stuff? Too. Yeah, like, they're the also body doing parts like were stored. Mm-hmm. Creepily. Yeah, it looked like a horror movie. Ghouls. Yes. Um, so public records show. <laughs> ghouls, ghouls, ghouls. <laughs> public records show that while Mitchell was moving from company to company, he had married a second time, purchased a home in Peoria, lost it to foreclosure during the Great Recession, 2008, oh, and then filed for personal bankruptcy in 2010. So remember, he, he also had BioGift and organs. So around this time, I think it gets defunct. I was trying to look for articles on, you know, exactly what happened, but it was really difficult to uncover that. So enter Future Gen X. Future Gen X was a um, Seattle-based company that Mitchell had owned and managed human cadavers as well for research purposes. Mitchell opened Future Gen X and Sanix in the Seattle area around 2018. This was after his second divorce was finalized in Arizona. Mitchell advertised Future Gen X online as a company that procured donated bodies to further medical education. Sanix, not to be confused with the pill Xanax, <laughs> Um, offered to ship body parts and surgical tools to medical professionals for hands-on medical training at a cost of $825 to $10,400, according to its website. It's a lot of money. That sure is. In 2019, Mitchell rented space from a funeral home near the Seattle airport where he performed the dissections, apparently himself, according to funeral director Stephen Webster. Unused remains went to the funeral home for cremation. Uh, scraps. The, <laughs> the <government> scraps. <laughs> oh, my God. 
It's so gross. Yes. Uh, the COVID-19 pandemic actually hurt Mitchell's businesses at this time. Aww. It caused him to move his operations back home. So Mitchell planned to pack the rest of his specimens, five bodies, in dry ice. He had them in his house? Listen, no, he had them in his business, but the pandemic caused him basically to shut his businesses down. Right, so then he had them at his house? So Mitchell Mitchell plans to pack the rest of the specimens or cadavers, five bodies, and dry ice to transport them to Arizona in February of 2020. Oh, this is where the, he just was like, fuck it. <laughs> I'm going like, to make another <laughs> crazy decision. <laughs> I'm going to be impulsive. So, <laughs> I guess it, the plan was to take the cadavers, head back to Arizona, and start new, like fresh, okay? So Walter heads down to Arizona after closing his business in April of 2020 here in the Seattle area. Mitchell went to live in an RV on someone else's land in Chino Valley outside of Prescott. This is what records show. He kept a large freezer padlocked inside a shed. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) So he's got the cadavers there, right? Mm -hmm. So he... Took this uh, truck down there with the bodies on dry ice and then transported them from the truck into this large freezer padlocked that was kept inside a shed down on this friend's property. All right. So in December 2020, he sold the RV and freezer and moved into a Scottsdale condo his ex-wife had purchased. Right before he sells the RV, he decides to dump the cadavers and or body parts in November of 2020 in the forest outside of Prescott, where they are later discovered by several people to include hikers, woodcutters, and hunters. Gross. Okay. It's stated that body parts were found in two locations. They called law enforcement. Please find the body parts scattered around with pieces of blue gauze. Their first thought was that these were fabric sheets. That's what I do with my dead bodies. I add a little bit of fabric sheet. <laughs> like a dryer? And sheet? they smell like lavender. <laughs> Helps keep a the stench away, Irish people. Spring. Never hurt anybody. <laughs> but it wasn't that. No, it wasn't. Uh, so <laughs> that's not what he was doing. <laughs> Crime scene technicians come out and found a total of 24 parts ranging from detached arms, legs, knees, and shoulders. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes. <laughs> knees and toes. <laughs> that makes that song seem a little bit You know bit what's creepy. crazy, though? Can you imagine being out? Like, so you're you're out no. there to go hunting or whatever. And then you're like, is that somebody's toe you're right like, there? Oh, Jesus, dude. You're, is, is this that, a leg? Is that Fred Flintstone? <laughs> I think I've seen this on fans only. <laughs> I recognize Patty, this, this big is toe. It you? <laughs> I was thinking it's about that. Funny. I was like, it's so gross. No, but I was like, I'm a hiker and I'm going out to hunt elk or whatever. And we start seeing like a trail of body pieces. I would be like, what is this a serial? Like, right. First thought serial killer. Like Bear. what's going on out here? <laughs> Or yeah, but a I bear think, with a laundry <laughs> with the laundry fetish for fans only. Yeah, they have um, dryer sheets. Yeah, they thought it looked like 
the dryer sheets. But so that might have been where they would have been like maybe serial killer rather than some kind of wild animal, right? So you think he would at least have dug like a shallow grave? Come on, dude, you fucking lazy creep. I don't know what he was thinking. He wasn't. He was just like, this is boring. Chuck. Moving on. I don't know if it had to do with boredom. But uh, the horrified cops that showed up described the case as unimaginable, bizarre, and grisly, abhorrent, and intolerable. The next day, detectives found five more limbs alongside five severed human heads at a second location. (laughs) So telltale signs of medical supplies on the remains led cops to quickly rule out that there was a serial killer on the loose. What about Dexter? (laughs) found gauze-like material and puppy pads at the scene and used the evidence to link the corpses to Mitchell and future genetics. Puppy pads? Puppy pads are like those... um, Oh, I know what a puppy pad is, but what? (laughs) (laughs) Was that like to keep the juices in I think so, like to kind of like soak that stuff up. Sick. I mean, he had them in the freezer, but now they're not. So, like, he probably just chucked all of it together, like, out in, you know, and who knows what, like, wild animals, like, sniffing around. He was probably hoping. Hey, eat the evidence, I don't. Maybe that's what he was thinking was going to happen. Something yeah. would come by and start, like, eating Disgusting. it, and then it would just go away. You know what I mean? Nay, nay. Police trace the remains to Mitchell through metal identification tags attached to the body parts. <laughs> And a plastic again, Mitchell. <laughs> and a plastic bag with his company name left nearby. Oh my god, that reminds me of like sometimes people will dump trash and it's like their junk mails in there. Yeah, like hello, <laughs> yeah. someone stole your junk mail and then dropped the garbage on the side of the road. I believe it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think he was thinking this whole thing through. Or maybe thinking. Or maybe he's like, I need to get rid of these body parts. Nobody will care if I dump them out here. Like he might not have like his rationalizing. I think he was like manic and I mean he could be. Not it could be. I couldn't find anything where he had been assessed for an actual mental health disorder and diagnosed, but he could have something like bipolar or whatever that causes him to, yeah, maybe get in a manic episode Mm -hmm. and then do something like this where he's like, I just need to get rid of it and then doesn't think through it clearly. Right. And then, um, you know, scatters body parts (laughs) on the desert. And then just... Like drops and runs. I don't know. What do you I get? I don't know. Do you um, get charged with littering or what? <laughs> <laughs> littering. He sounds like a real winner is what I get from this story. <laughs> so at the time of the discovery, the human remains were believed to have been from individuals who de- donated their bodies to science for research. Mm-hmm. So Mitchell was featured in two 2017 reports by news agency um, Reuters, where he was interviewed and described as a veteran body broker. And he said, and I quote, if you can't make a business when you're getting raw materials for free, you're as dumb as a box of rocks, end quote. That's yeah, what he had said. gifting it to you, quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, he had essentially <laughs> called it, it's, like a pipeline to the dead is how he had kind of referenced it. 
where he's making a lot of money. Okay. I mean, we've talked about how again uh, sounds really awesome. Uh, yeah, I in previous episodes we talked about how much money they've made, which is in the millions. Yeah. doing this sort of thing, but their wives are never involved. Yeah. They just like work the customer service phones. That's yeah, what we found out. Of course. Although Most it sounds wives like aren't involved. Walter Mitchell's wives bailed. Yeah, like, we're like, I'm not I'm having fucking any of this. Out. I'm out of here. Crazy. <laughs> so I don't want your freezer full of body parts. I I would be willing to bet she didn't know that he had brought those down there, but I don't know. So. Uh, police in Seattle helped Arizona detectives determine that Mitchell left Washington with the remaining five uh, cadavers. According to news outlets, Future Gen X had partnered with UW, University of Washington, as part of their willed body program. So you can donate your body to research. Right, but they're like picky. Yes, they're very picky. Um, and a lot of the locals <laughs> around <old> here, <laughs> a lot of the locals tend to do that because they want to help with research at the university. And then, like you said, UW has a strict acceptance policy. And some of the deceased didn't qualify. <laughs> they didn't make the cut. Mm -mm. They didn't get admitted. Nope. But they worked with different body brokers to include future Gen X. So if you didn't pass their stringent intake process, then they would pass you on. Then Wazoo would. Ah, just kidding. <laughs> That's a little Washington humor right there. <laughs> Big rivalry. <laughs> they would basically recommend that the families uh, call Future Gen X or one of the other companies in the area. And then they would get the body, the cadaver, and do whatever they were going to do with it. So authorities went on a hunt to search for the freezer as well that the bodies had been allegedly stored in. Because uh, remember, I said that Mitchell had sold it back in December of 2020. Uh -huh. And it was a pale yellow chest freezer in Chino Valley sometime between November and December 19th. Oh, wow. He had sold this thing. The freezer, a 1970s to early 1980s model with a top loading style, was likely advertised on Craigslist or a similar <laughs> website. <laughs> Oh my God. When they arrested Walter, Walter at the condo, they actually found a pipe bomb in his apartment. What? Yes. Um, so they had to bring um, like the bomb squad in to like take a look at it, the materials sure and stuff. It wasn't going to go off. Yes. The other thing about that is I really couldn't find in the articles any additional information with respect to the pipe bomb. Yeah. It was really strange. I don't know what he was planning on doing with right. that. I was going to ask. Yeah. Who, so maybe he didn't even know. He might not have. Maybe like he was he just had building a lot it. Of plans. Yeah. I don't know what he was going to do. He might have just built it and then was going to make a decision. Was this? this was, uh, he got arrested, I think, at the beginning of 2021. Oh my God. Was it for January 6th? <laughs> <laughs> they never not. found the pipe bomb person. I hope not. Just I don't saying. know. We cracked the code. <laughs> And that ends our podcast. Don't start creating Take care, everyone. additional conspiracy <laughs> theories. We've got enough floating around out there, Patty. Just know, stop it. This one actually could be true. This other know. shit is crazy. It is. So several of the victims were residents of the Seattle area who all thought that they had received cremated remains of their loved ones. Yeah, that's the grossest part. Instead, they had found out that they had been thrown out 
and around the Arizona desert. The yes. families don't even know what they were given. I was reading that some of them were trying to do some DNA and stuff to figure out like what was what remains they had received and to see if like any part of their family member was actually in that? the container. I don't think I would. I think I would, I would rather just be like, yep, that's them. I I might want to just remain oblivious to it. Yeah, why? I even like if they came and we were like, we think that that your whoever your uncle was in the desert. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be like, nope, gang's all know. here. <laughs> nope, no room here. <laughs> all present and accounted I mean, because that would just be like so difficult, right? Exactly. Like you had this like, sitting what? in your house, and then you have no closure, really. Yeah, you I don't would know be what happened. Kind of nothing awful. good. Yeah. I don't know. Gets haunted is all I have to say. <laughs> so after he was arrested in January of 2021, authorities had taken his computer hardware and paperwork inside that they had found in the condo. But they also found a locked safe inside the apartment. A spare key on Mitchell's keychain appeared to fit, so police had opened it. Inside is where they found the pipe bomb, which was a cylinder object about eight inches long with caps at both ends and a fuse sticking out of one cap. It was a pipe bomb, and it was also sitting with Mitchell's wife's expired passport. I don't know. <laughs> she later Again, told police. sounds really awesome. <laughs> she later told police she had no idea why he would have her passport. Uh, police cleared out the area and called the DPS bomb squad to remove it. When they examined the pipe bomb, they found it was real and filled with explosive material. Mitchell pleaded not guilty during his arraignment. His attorney waived a formal reading of the indictment, with, which charges Mitchell with 29 counts of concealing or abandoning a dead body. Holy crap. Yeah, Mitchell remained in custody with bond set at $250,000. He actually rejected the plea agreement at the time, earlier in the year, and requested to represent himself. <laughs> the judge had warned him against this, but he insisted, stating, and I quote, I'm a subject matter expert in very few things, but I am a subject matter expert in my case. End quote. Mitchell told the judge... And I quote, after 16 months, I've decided it's time for a trial. I've wanted a trial from the very beginning. I've been very patient and I believe I can win, end quote. In September, a jury found him guilty of 29 counts of abandonment or concealment of a dead body. He was sentenced on October 31st to concurrent two and a half year prison terms for 24 counts and a concurrent but consecutive 3.75 year term for the other five counts for a total of 6.25 years. Prosecutors were seeking no less than 18. So, so six and a quarter mm -hmm. years. That's yep. it for 29 counts of body, whatever. Mm -hmm. Of wow. body abandonment or concealment of a dead body. What was the plea deal? Did it say? I don't remember what it was, but that's where he was like, nope, I'm going to represent myself. I got this. <laughs> So, which he, I what on earth is his defense? He just said I didn't do it. Those bodies just I couldn't find anything out to the desert. <laughs> 
I couldn't find anything like with specific details on the trial or whatever. Uh, like, no journalist had a write up on like, that stuff. This guy's gross. I probably could have tried to do like some sort of records request to see like exactly what was said, but I would just be curious, like, what? It's interesting to me. Like, they didn't really find any fraud per se, but him like just disposing just of the, the bodies body in the manner that bad. he did. Yeah. So, um, is that a felony? Did you say? No, I don't think so. Uh, I don't think he broke any laws. It, this is a uh, state. Oh, yes. So down in Arizona. Good old AZ. Yeah. So, and you know, I feel like uh, the sentence is fine um, for this particular case. <laughs> fine. And he'll probably get out a little bit early for good for behavior. Sure. Uh, so interestingly enough, though, when I was looking at Walter Mitchell, I found that he had uh, wrote a book called Serial Killer, which was published in 2012. And it in it, the character that he describes, Ducky Redfield, the owner of a company in the body donation business, commits a series of murders. Huh. Ducky's first kill is a college student named Ducky. Sue. He sexually violates her dead body, then cuts her up and mixes her parts with remains from legitimate body donors destined for cremation. So is he, he's a serial killer? Uh, I don't know, dude. This is just a fictional book you're alluding to? I just thought it was strange that this book is out there. So, and I quote, no funeral director anywhere would open up a two-by-two two body box full of tissue blood and feces to confirm what they were cremating was actually the body parts of the donor, Ducky explains in the book. And even if they did, they would find it difficult to confirm the identity of the donor. Getting so he's rid a, all in all a great guy. <laughs> the end. Getting rid of bodies was easy. Because of spotty industry regulation, the fictional murderer explains, and cremating the body parts made sure evidence went up in a literal puff of smoke. So I'm not speculating that he killed anybody. I don't know. But maybe he used his uh, business to write this fictional book. One reviewer on Amazon gave it five stars. (laughs) Was it him? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Their handle was called Venus One, and they said, an easy, straightforward read. Everything was fairly easy to predict, but the ending was different, and I enjoyed that. I also wonder if the killer could really get rid of bodies as easily as it's written in the book. Interesting overall. Two people found that helpful. Great. So you, I'll leave it to the listeners. You decide. I don't know. But I think he sounds lovely. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to close the loop on uh, Walter. Yeah, great. Because he finally got sentenced. He went through his trial and got sentenced. So, um, right. He's been adjudicated. Yep. Yep. Dispositions finished for his case. So. Uh, I don't know if his book will gain any popularity. Um, because we have this weird fetish with true crime. Right. So. so yeah, I gathered information from Biz Journals, Washington Examiner. There were several articles on the Sun. 
MyNorthwest.com, The Daily Beast, uh, KTAR.com, AZ Central, 12 News, Como News, uh, a lot of information garnered from different media outlets for this story. So we are going to let the listeners know, too, um, we're going to take a small break. We're going to end the season early. And then because somebody's too busy with school. <laughs> and we're going to look at <laughs> maybe changing platforms. So you may see us disappear for a little bit off of the normal podcasting platforms. And that's just because we're looking at. Uh, we're migrating. Yeah, migrating. So. so don't be afraid, everyone. We'll show back up. <laughs> Pop back up. <laughs> But it probably won't be until the new year's. So. Got a lot going on. Yeah, Patty has some personal stuff she's taking care of right now. I've got some stuff I'm taking care of. I, um we just don't have time to do it all. We don't want to jeopardize our mental health. Correct. Mental health is well, important. Our well-being. Yes, 100%. So, this will conclude season 3. And then we'll And be this back. will give us time to like dig up some more Research Shit and stories season. <laughs> next season. season four. Exactly. Yeah. But we've had a good time this year with everybody. And um, we've made more podcast friends. Yes, we do. And we really su- like appreciated their support. Yeah. So thank you, everyone, for listening to us, you know, giving us ratings, especially on good pods. Which uh, we still don't understand how to use. But. Well, you know, I fell behind like on our social media stuff. And then I was trying to go back and look at some of the notifications we got. And I can't see them. So there's at least like two dozen on there that you I don't. can't see them? No. Is it like a timed thing? I don't know if like, yeah, they only hold so much data on their application. Mm. And then after that, like you can't go back and see. But I kept at first I thought maybe it was like my signal in the place that I was at. Uh-huh. And then when I came back home, I was still having like the same problem. I was like, no, it's not. Swipe it's not left. me. It's not me. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll uh, work on our technology. Probably we won't. But, you know. I don't know. It'll work out. We may not even come back to Twitter the way it's looking. We'll see. I'm off. Yeah. I don't want to sound like some curmudgeon or anything, but, you know, it's Elon. So. Well, basically, like, to me, and I told you this already, that I'm off social media this month just because I wanted, with the election and everything, it just got to be too much. And I was just. Yeah. Thank God we don't have to look at those I was just so, ads anymore. like fucking burned out and i said you know what i'm gonna take just like a social media hiatus i'm still on tiktok because that's funny to me that i don't i don't watch anything heavy on there Mm -hmm. it's mostly just you know goofy stuff but like everything else i just don't need all the animosity and the you know tribalism and all this bullshit yeah the division and stuff um Yeah. yeah I'm the same way, dude. I mean, most of it I've been trying to like, well, I don't really have time for it, but. Um, <laughs> if I, I did, I would I've say. just been like trying to stay away from it because, you know, we all have different viewpoints. And um, that's fine. Mm-hmm. However, with regard to Twitter, 
I don't want to be on a platform where the use of the N-word goes up 500%. To me, I find no value in that. Yeah, and it was interesting, too, like, after he took over it, he kind of made the statement, well, we haven't changed any of the filters or anything. Well, that's fine, but... But I don't want to be part of that. Yeah, the idea is... I'm not giving my time to that at all. I don't stand for that. Mm -hmm. I don't... I don't have anything to do with that type of stuff, and I don't want to be associated with it. So I'm like, I'm good, and I just deleted my thing. Yeah, I. what I was going to say was, like, uh, if he's going to sit with that whole free speech no matter what, including hate speech, then um, you're probably going to lose – you know, the people that are actually putting money for advertisement and stuff yeah, into that, especially because now people are like, well, he's not going to care what we say on here. And so. Well, he cares if you say shit about him, though. Yeah, he does get upset about so that. So I, I just, again, like it wasn't, it wasn't sparking joy for me. So I had to leave. Yeah. So you may, when we come back next year, you may see us maybe not on Twitter but, uh, you know, on things like Good Pods and Instagram. Yeah, posting pictures and stuff like that, which I've definitely fallen behind on. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'm trying. Just don't see us till January. Okay? Yeah. And then it's a whole new us. <laughs> I'd like to say leaner, but I am not a liar. So <laughs> we're heading into the. The uh, Super Bowl of eating. I was I'm here say, for it. Uh, this is when I kind of like put on the more stretchy pants. <laughs> exactly. And I eat like a ton of mashed potatoes, right. sugar cookies. I'm in. Um, and I, is that song I played you earlier? I'm <laughs> in. The great Don't rain on my buffet. And the buffet. Uh, 100%. <laughs> So yeah. we will miss everybody, but we'll continue to giving uh, giving people podcasts, etc. Our fans, our listeners, shout outs. I'm not going to get rid of our accounts or anything. But like I said, you may see us uh, kind of disappear from the podcast platforms. Don't worry. We'll be back. We're just kind of migrating. And then um, we'll see you all in, oh, my right. God, it's going to be 2023. Yeah. New Holy year. crap. Which that's good because, uh, you know, 2022 sounds like 2020 and we don't need another one of those. That's true. So this is 2023. We're new horizons yeah. and brighter days. I yes. Say. I am not in a rush to move to Belize. So okay. That. Okay. See positives okay. all the way around, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> spot uh and finally i would like to say to some of our fellow podcasters gals however you identify um they have been doing a lot of peanut butter whiskey i bought that and that shit is the bomb y'all so thank you (laughs) i appreciate it oh great stay tuned for our intervention next year (laughs) any last words patty just be kind, everyone. Yeah. Let's give everyone an extra break because the holidays can be rough. Yes, 100%. And uh, People are struggling right now. Even if someone's mean to you, don't just don't give it back. Mm-hmm. Let's just treat everyone with extra love, okay? If they're being mean, it's probably more about something hurt that's people, going on with them. Hurt people, hurt people, okay? <laughs> <laughs>
Exactly. So when someone cuts you off in traffic, let it go. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Yes. It's no fine. big deal. No big deal. Exactly. You're alive and breathing, so it's fine. Right. Okay. All right. Enjoy. Well, happy holidays. Enjoy the holidays. Exactly. Yep. And we'll see y'all next year. See you next year. Bye. Bye.